0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Your Purpose is Beauty. My name is Mercedes and I'm your host. I feel like I haven't been saying, I haven't been introducing myself in the beginning of these. My name is Mercedes and I'm your host for today. I have a really interesting interview for you today. I'm talking with Hulan Davadorj of L'Amour Mongolia, which is Mongolia's first ever organic skincare brand. I had sort of been made aware of this brand, L'Amour. It's actually spelled L-H-A-M-O-U-R. And she tells us why she decided to name uh, the company that in the interview. But obviously, there was kind of an immediate uh, connection there because, you know, L'Amour et la musique, L'Amour Skincare, obviously, we share some commitment to the same vision. So I had been made aware of this brand by, actually, I think a a viewer of mine who also does PR, beauty PR, had gotten in touch and had wanted to send me some products when I had Baby L'Amour because in addition to their normal range of products, they also do baby and children's specific products. So I was sent a really beautiful care package when I gave birth in the fall of 2018, used all the products up. I really loved them. And then I saw a couple of my green beauty colleagues like Marie from Anne the Color Green, who's also been on the podcast, and Cheryl from Free Range Diva, who I really, really love. I saw them reviewing the brand. So I was really excited to to see this brand getting some traction. And I'm just really excited for you to hear uh, directly from Hulan today. I think it's a really unique interview because I think in the green beauty space, A lot of us are really, really interested in ingredient sourcing and formulation. But something that I have always been, honestly, like a little bit more interested in is the ritual aspect of beauty and the culture around beauty and the, you know, the cultural or native roots around beauty rituals. And so today's interview is perfect for that. I feel like I got all the feels when she started talking about the nomadic beauty approach of. What the nomadic yak herders, how they would use tallow as. Again, I feel like these interviews just help you go to another level with how you experience products in a brand's range. And if you don't want to go to Mongolia after hearing this, it does seem and looks like a, a really, really majestic place. So Hulan shares a bit about her background, which is really, really interesting She's very well traveled and has, a, you know, a wide range of education and work experience that inform, you know, why she wanted to start this brand. She talks a lot about the products, the formulation, and also the ingredient sourcing. Uh, she also had a baby not that long ago. She has a six month old, so we talked a bit about new motherhood. And then I wanted to hear from her about what it's like to be a female entrepreneur in Mongolia, where you know the climate for women owned and run businesses is you know, not as, I guess, widely done or accepted as it, as it is here. And I thought it was really interesting because here in the States or in North America, almost all of the niche, indie, eco, luxury, alternative beauty brands are women owned and run businesses. So it's just an, a really interesting cultural dynamic. And I really hope you enjoy hearing from her as much as I enjoyed talking to her. Make sure you stay tuned till the end because Hulan uh, let me look at her astrological chart. And similar to when I looked at Michelle Ranavat's chart, they have some actually similar imprints, in, beauty imprints in their chart. So I'm excited to share those reflections with you. Let's take a quick break and we'll hear from Hulan. Olivia is an exclusive prebiotic plant-based skincare line designed to feed the beneficial microbes living on our skin. I've been trying the Orchid Body Cleanse and it's great for people with sensitive body skin conditions like eczema and psoriasis, yet gentle enough for all skin types. Acadian Sea Kelp and Dead Sea Salt work as a prebiotic, helping skin to restore and repair itself. Visit Olivia.com and use the code LAMOR15 for 15% off your order. That's L-A-M-O-U-R- 15% 15 and save 15%. Okay, so I'm wondering if we could start with hearing a bit from you about why you decided to start an organic skincare brand and maybe what you have felt is L'Amour's unique position in the beauty or eco-beauty space. And I'm also personally really curious to hear about how you decided to name the company since we
1: share this connection to L'Amour.
2: So um, I was in the U.S. doing my master's degree um, in environmental, so with an environmental um, background in energy, basically uh, renewable energy. So my interest was always in the field of sustainable energy, um, sustainability. And when I came back in 2012 to Mongolia, I was working in that sector, but then I was facing personal problems because of the external factors such as the pollution that we had, the water that wasn't really uh, fitting me, the dry air. So I was starting to have allergies, which I never had before in my life. That has affected me a lot because that was kind of the key turning point of me just being very passionate about my health, my skin, how things affect the skin, etc. And then basically the passion started slowly getting more deeper and deeper. And then I took the Formula Botanica course and was the first Mongolian to to do the um, organic skincare formulation course. And when I was doing that just for myself, I kind of realized, first of all, in Mongolia, there's no organic skincare production or brand at all. But then on the other hand, Mongolia is the land of the blue sky. Basically, all we have is nature. And all these amazing things, such as sea buckthorn, um, rose, syrup, We have nettle, thyme. We have yaks all over, and in the most original and pure form. So the question came up: Okay, there's no such brand, but then we all we have all these amazing ingredients. Why nobody's doing it? And then basically, it just started to become um, a very, very deep passion of mine. And then. I figured that because I had the need, that there are many, many more people that have dry skin, that have allergies and that just don't know what to do and what to use and and how things are affecting them. So that's when I realized I really want to do this full time and I started to do some products just for myself. I gave them to my friends and family. They really loved it. So I just quit everything and started my, my company in 2014. And when I started my company, basically I figured because I'm an entrepreneur, I can shape everything according to how I feel. And the, the, the brand is basically a reflection of me. So I have always been very passionate in sustainability, but also in, in giving back and helping others. I've been doing that ever since I was a child. So through the brand, slowly I realized that it was giving a lot of people not just inspiration and motivation that actually a young person can do something good and valuable for the whole country, but also that we are able to create change. So that's why I gave the name Lamor with an H because L'amour, L-H-A-M-O, is the name of my niece. So that kind of uh, represents the fact that we are a social Company and that we want to create something that leaves a positive impact for the next generation, so a long-term positive impact, and then a um, more obviously for love. That's why I was so happy to that the podcast also had that kind of reason, because our philosophy is we are not just a skincare brand, but we are basically a skincare brand rooted in love. So. It's all about loving yourself and be healthy and, and, and basically choosing the right product, the, the, the good and healthy product for yourself. And then loving others, basically helping others, sharing you know, the positivity with others, and then loving the environment. So we really want to make an impact in terms of sustainability. That's why, for example, our production is zero waste. Every raw material becomes an end product. Or, for example, we have a zero-waste corner in our flagship store, which was extended even to Thailand, meaning that the customer can be sustainable as well by buying products without packaging, for example. So our philosophy is really loving yourself, loving others, and loving the environment. And we really try to make an impact by being not just focused on You know the the product, but really focusing on every single other aspect as as well. So being this holistic brand. So you mentioned that
0: your your struggles with allergies were what sort of motivated you to start wanting to to formulate your own skincare. So my next question is a bit about your own personal skincare philosophy and how that informs how you formulate products. So maybe you could just share a bit about how. That perspective coming from someone that had allergies and I it sounds like you formulate for people primarily
1: with sensitive skin but that your products can be widely used by everybody
2: so I was never really um, into makeup etc so I don't use foundation makeup or anything like that mine my, my personal skincare routine is more more minimalist so I don't really use a lot that's why within my formulation i try to create products that are very universal and also that give you basically a lot of functions so the first thing that i do when i formulate is looking at the function what should that product be able to do to your skin so for example we have a lot of products that can be used in multiple ways like our body butter can be used as a face mask etc so that is always the key aspect of my formulation, the function, minimal and very, very universal.
1: So I know that you also create some baby and children's
0: care products. We are really, really big fans of your baby balm. So I'm wondering uh, where the inspiration for that came from, since I, I know you have six month old of your own and a niece, but I don't know if there's any other story behind why you wanted
1: to create baby and children's care products.
2: I think somewhere along like two years into my journey, we found that our products were not just tailored to uh, women per se, but then whole families were starting to use the product. So we got a lot of requests from the customers. So basically the, the first two years, I used to make products that from my point of view were needed. So I was doing formulations really just thinking alone. But then two years into the, the the journey, we started to get so many requests from our regular customers because they were saying, Okay, I use your product literally from foot to uh, face. And now I need something for my child because I trust your product. So that is uh, why we started to slowly extend our product range literally from women to children, men, and lifestyle, because really that's what our customers want from us.
0: So I'd love to hear a bit about some of the unique aspects of Mongolian beauty that infuse your products, I guess in terms of ingredients and even beauty rituals, if you had any examples for that to share. but. You know, I noticed right away that one of the ingredients that's in a lot of your products is tallow, which is an ingredient that I love, but it's so niche here in the States. So yeah, I'd love to hear just, you mentioned some of them already, sea buckthorn. I mean, some of these are ingredients that that we would be familiar with, but yak, I don't think, yak's milk, I don't think has showed
1: up in any North American beauty product to date.
2: Yes. I think that's, I always keep on saying to the Mongolians that we are so lucky um, to be actually living in this country because literally Mother Nature has given us everything we need. So seabuckthorn, I know it is very, very kind of prestigious in other countries, but we literally use it just on a daily basis. In the winter, it's the best for boosting immune system. So we have seabuckthorn juice, we have seabuckthorn candy, we have seabuckthorn everything, literally. So we're so fortunate. That's why I really wanted to use all these amazing ingredients. And certain things that, uh, for example, especially in North America, as you mentioned, are very niche. For us, it's the most kind of normal thing. Because, for example, the sheep's tail fat oil, that is something that um, has been widely used traditionally in Mongolia by the nomads because obviously nomads don't have skincare products. So what we use is we use everything that's original in the nature. So basically the sheep's fat oil is very unique because the Mongolian sheep, first of all, they graze in the, in the wide nature and they eat the most healthy um, kind of grass. And in the winter in Mongolia, it's so harsh that it becomes minus 30 degrees Celsius. Um, so the sheep, what they do is they store all their fats and their basically energy needed for the winter in their tails. And then they have all this collagen, etc. So in Mongolia, the traditional um, skincare routine for the nomads, especially for babies and older people, was to use the sheep's fat oil because it's pure collagen. So of course, everybody knows collagen and we all buy skincare products with collagen, etc. But that basically for the nomads was um, the most traditional way of using collagen and they didn't even know that. And it's very delicate. It's very um, good for sensitive skin. And what I try to do is what the nomads use because we still do have this nomadic culture, but obviously we are now living in the city, living this modern life. So what I try to do throughout our products is really take these traditional, basically amazing things that we have been doing for for many, many years and then put it into the modern form. So using the tallow, um, the sheep's oil in the body butters, in the soap really makes the product much more unique, but also makes it so that people with sensitive skin can use. So we have a lot of traditions like that. For example, if people really um, don't quite understand animal fat, but are more into plant-based in Mongolia, the women have amazing, thick, healthy hair. And also what they used to do in the traditional way was to rinse their hair with tea. So with nettle tea, et cetera. And again, this is what we launched. We launched the hair rinse tea because it's the combination of modern, tea, putting it into a tea bag, but then yet using traditional ways such as the, um, the, the organic nettle. So we really tried to combine Mongolian um, traditional ways and make it into a form that can be used by modern people and also international people.
0: That's so fascinating. I love hearing about the, nom- the nomadic beauty rituals. Is that a history that people in Mongolia just know about?
2: Well, Mongolia, first of all, for, for um, the people that don't know, I mean, it's a very unique place because it's the, the size of the country, um, you have to imagine, is five times bigger than Germany. But then the whole country only has 3.6 million people. So... It's very kind of, you know, you you could imagine the nomadic lifestyle because it's such a huge and vast country. It's the least dense country in the world. So basically, you could just drive out of the city for 30 minutes and then you're in the middle of nowhere where you don't have anybody around. So basically, it means that we still have a great nomadic culture. And it's something that is very close to us because even in the city, in kind of the suburbs, the nomads come with the yurt and they live still in the yurt. So all these rituals, I don't even have to dig deep into history to know them because we have many people still using them, still doing them on a daily basis. So I think, yes, we are in a very interesting time right now because especially my generation is basically... You know, seeing both, like this modern, amazing city life, yet also still the nomadic life. So we see both of the worlds on a daily basis.
0: So I had read in an interview that you primarily grew up in Germany. I'm not sure when you left Mongolia, but you returned to Mongolia after college, as you said. Was there any influence on European beauty or
1: aesthetics culture that has influenced your beauty perspective now? So
2: I think I'm a true nomad. (laughs) I'm a true global nomad because I've been moving around fairly a lot. I don't think I've ever lived in a place when I was young, more than two years. So I've been moving around um, a lot. So that's why I've seen a lot of things. I I was mainly in Germany, I think, for around 15 years. I was also in France, in Switzerland, and then at last in, in, in New York. So, uh, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of the, the um, skincare, especially also the way people live. And I think that's why taking all these into aspects and then coming back to Mongolia really made me focus on healthy living. So on healthy products, healthy living, and how through the products you can also engage into healthy living in it. And I I know especially in Europe that everybody now is also into healthy living. When I was in Germany, of course, there was a lot of changes in terms of um, healthy living. So I think that was mostly the effect on my brand, not just focusing on skincare.
0: I'm really curious to hear, I guess I'm going to kind of combine two questions because I would love to hear about your own, I mean, you you sort of already mentioned that your own skincare beauty routine is really quite minimal, but I'd love to hear about some of L'Amour's best-selling products, maybe what some
1: of your personal favorites are and how they kind of fit into a skincare or a body care
2: routine. So... Our bestseller, well, our global bestseller in all our um, export countries, as well as Mongolia, is our feedback store hand butter. We've been getting so many requests about that, that hand butter. Um, and that is also my favorite. It's our whole family's favorite. It's, it's my husband's favorite. So yeah, that has been uh, quite our bestseller. But in terms of actual skincare routine, what I do is, I really love the oil cleansing, and I think that has been something that has been very, very new to a lot of people's minds, because obviously in the traditional form, you think of cleansing as, I don't know, you know, cleansing with water, cleansing with... Like a sudsy soap. Exactly, or like with, um, with you know, these alcohol-based cleansers. But then the oil cleansing has been has been quite phenomenal, especially when you live in a very dry and polluted place, because that has been just so effective on the skin, being very mild, keeping the the natural oil balance of your skin. And still, after you actually clean it, you feel very, very moisturized. So that has been amazing. I love my own rosehip facial oil, because obviously rosehip is just such an amazing ingredient by itself and then um, using the oil every night just really has um, helped me, especially during the the harsh winter. And that is all, also our best seller in all of our markets. The serum. I use the cucumber-based serum. So obviously, most of our products are oil-based. So now we're getting more into um, also water-based products. And that has been... The serum has been our first kind of water-based product, especially for the face. And I've been working on it for three years and it has also started to become one of our best sellers. So that is my um, nighttime routine. I really love using for the body, especially when I was pregnant, our body butter, because I've been using that on my stomach um, and luckily did not have any stretch marks, as well as the coffee body scrub, what I was pregnant i I was using that a lot for my thighs to prevent stretch marks and also afterwards obviously when you still kind of have that belly and you look like even though you gave birth like a six months still kind of pregnant yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've been that's why i've been using my coffee scrub actually very very like kind of like a spiritual connection i'm like using the the coffee scrub and just go away go away little belly you know so obviously that is a, is a pretty big problem for for most mothers and also the soaps when i was pregnant the pregnancy due to the hormonal um imbalances was causing a lot of dryness so i think i was very very happy that i created my own skincare brand with all these products when i was pregnant because to use while you were pregnant yeah I, exactly so i was very i was very happy about that
0: Yeah, I I totally understand because you can tolerate so little, I feel like, when you're pregnant and immediate postpartum. So are there any products that we could expect from your brand in the future? Or what are some products that you're really interested
2: in
1: wanting to add to your range?
2: Yes. So this year, we're focusing mainly on adding facial products. So as I mentioned, a lot of our products are oil-based and now we're getting more into facial products like creams, not just the face oil, but also creams, day cream, night cream, um, toner, etc. One of the things that I'm very actually happy about is also adding more to the facial oil range because we are now starting also to use hemp oil, hemp seed oil. Um, so hopefully we can add those and also adding actually lifestyle products because now we have partnered up with a Mongolian company to create leather goods such as leather cosmetic bags for men and women. So things like that, I think because of the the success we had internationally and because we are able to export our products, we really want to give back to the Mongolian also community by partnering up with a lot of companies so that, you know, when we are successful, they are successful as well. So that is why we really want to see whether we can partner with as many companies as possible, especially for the lifestyle products. So I think that will be an interesting new product for us that we're launching, hopefully by the end of this month, the leather cosmetic bag.
0: Have you been enjoying your purpose's beauty? You can unlock exclusive episodes of this podcast by visiting patreon.com slash l'amour et la musique. For $3 per month, you gain access to one exclusive episode published on the first Monday of every month. You receive a private RSS feed link to add to your podcast player of choice, or you can listen directly on Patreon. In these exclusive episodes, I expound on more personal, potentially controversial, or thought-provoking topics that are suited to an intimate community. If you're interested in more, there are other tiers of support that include a poll-based monthly exclusive video produced for the Patreon community, individual video-based correspondence, live get-ready-with-me makeup videos and skincare routines, and astrology of beauty and Venus readings from a classical perspective. Patreon funds directly support the production of this podcast as well as other L'Amour content. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to your Purpose's Beauty. And now back to today's episode. You know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with. I mean, as you lived in New York, so perhaps quite familiar with what the eco, organic, green beauty and just wellness community is like here in the states. And you kind of already mentioned it when you said, you know, people that prefer to be more plant based. So something I really appreciate about your brand is that you're using these ingredients like tallow and yak's milk and things like that. So I'm wondering if you could comment on. You know, what the Mongolian perspective is on using animal products, you know, you're going to be making leather cosmetics bags and you integrate these animal products, you know, very, very, they're like an integral ingredient in some of your formulations. And I could just (laughs) envision that some people in the, you know, North American eco space they just have a very different perspective, I guess, on using animal products. Do you have any thoughts
2: on that? As I mentioned, I tried to use a lot of the traditional ways of living, traditional ways of skincare routine into my um, brand. And that has been uh, one of the challenges that we have been facing because for us, it's the, it's kind of the most normal thing because we are very close to the animals and it's basically our traditional way of living. If you go to the countryside, one nomad at least has 100 cattle, you know, we have Yeah, cows, horses, the horses are kind of our best friend. As I mentioned, the yaks, the goats, we use goat's milk. So obviously the goat for the cashmere. And I think the world has turned a lot into anti-animal because of the way of things are done in other countries. So the way the animals are treated, the way the animals are, the farms, you know, I once, I think, saw a farm in North America. The picture, and it was just crazy how they were all kind of lined up and tied, and they couldn't even move, etc. So for us, that's kind of horrible. So I think that kind of thing. When I was in Germany, they had this beef, I think, virus or something like that, because of the way they were putting, like, kind of like pesticide for plants. You know, they were using some hormones to make the beef bigger so things like this have affected the customer a lot which especially for mongolians is just so far off because we don't use those kind of farms we don't use those kind of ways to handle the animals if you would ever come to mongolia you would see how close we are so i think that has been a challenge for us because as i mentioned for us it's the most traditional thing it's the most obvious thing but then it For example, a lot of people in in, in the US, when they see our brands, they go, oh, no, there's tallow, poor animal, you know?
0: Oh, see, I I automatically liked it and appreciated it, but I I totally understand. I do think that that's more the dominant perspective here is to be
1: just anti-animal products.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And I really think it's because of those horrible stories, actually, in the farms in other countries. So... Yes, that has been a challenge for us that I obviously need to overcome. That's why we created a lot of plant-based products, such as the facial oils, the body oils, et cetera, because of course, we really respect the customers. And if it's a international kind of trend to go against animal fats, then we really totally appreciate that. But also, I really want to take the opportunity to say that it's really different cultures and a lot of those, those ways that have been creating the fear has been done actually in the developed countries, so especially in Europe and other places. So that's why not every country is the same, not every way of handling is the same. Especially in Mongolia, we're just so close to the animals that when I started to use goat's milk, no, because we source it directly from the nomads, So the nomads were so happy that they could use the milk because nobody was using the milk. And when we started to use the yak's milk and the goat's milk, they were just so happy because they use it for cashmere, the goats, and they don't really use the milk. And when we started to use the milk, they had additional income. And obviously, you know, goat's milk is just so rich in vitamins that it's one of the must ingredients to use. So I think... A lot of customers just have this fear, but then without having really background. So for us, that has really become a a challenge, especially for North America and Europe. For the rest of the countries, it has not been so much of a challenge that we use animal fat because actually animal fat is so close to human skin's way that it gets absorbed much more easily. Then, for example, let's say if you use olive oil, it doesn't get absorbed easily. Um, it could create clogging. So, it is actually a very good ingredient. But because of the fear that has been created because of farms and bad ways of use, uh, of treating the animals, it has become a challenge for us. So now we are really thinking of increasing our plant based product range, just to kind of accommodate the international market. But I want to tell people that animal fat is not a bad thing, especially in Mongolia, because we are very respectful towards the animals and, and they're kind of our daily life. You know, it's just the most normal thing. And if you would ever see Mongolia, and if you would ever come in and be a little bit with the nomads, I think you would understand.
0: I had a question for you that L'Amour right now is, I think, a little bit less well known in North America um, compared to maybe other parts of the world where you distribute. So I was wondering if you could explain a bit about how you've gone about expanding internationally the strategies that you've used. In particular, I'm really curious about your perspective on working with bloggers and influencers who are such, you know, the way that people spread word of mouth about products here in the States.
2: I think our kind of global expansion story was very unique because I think it was like two, three years into into the journey of one more when, when we actually just started selling in, in Mongolia. We had our first request from Hong Kong because it was our customer who wanted to become our distributor. She was using the baby... It was actually the baby bomb because she was using it for her child who was having eczema. And it really kind of helped the child. So she was so into why it it did help. And then she started reading the story. She started contacting us. And then she became our first international distributor. And it has been amazing because every single other distributor was the same. The one in Thailand, exactly the same. She quit her job. She was at a big bank. She quit her job and became an entrepreneur herself. And because the philosophy of Lamour was really mirroring her personal philosophy, so she always wanted to do social impact. She always still wanted to do business, so she didn't want to work for an NGO. So that's why it was a perfect combination for her. And now she's very successful in Thailand, and through her sales, for example, she partners up with the Association of the Blind People, and they make the cosmetic bags, and then she gives them additional income, basically. So um, it has been amazing because our story of expansion was really kind of, you know, the snowball effect of of sharing this philosophy. It was the same in Taiwan. It was the same in Australia. It was the same in Singapore. All these people who have used our product, who are our customers started to really feel deeply passionate about the philosophy and the product because the product was working for them. And then they just kind of became entrepreneurs themselves. So it was kind of like a crazy movement of entrepreneurs that was created because of us. And we have this group chat called Lamore Global Distributors Global Team. And all our kind of um, distributors talk with each other. It's kind of becoming like a global family and we are sharing um, this philosophy. So I think that has been one of the most unique things about us as well, that our distributors have become... Our customers have become our distributors. In the US, uh, we have a representative in New York. So she has been working with bloggers. She has been working with a lot of um, PR agencies, etc. to get the word out because obviously as the first Mongolian organic skincare brand, it's, it's very difficult to just have a huge presence because we're not like big companies with big marketing budgets. It's really starting slowly but surely to be effective because again, we are really into if you like the product, then go ahead and talk about it. But we don't really do like this crazy, huge marketing like that. It's a bit slower than um, bigger brands, but it gives a good foundation because we have now a fairly good foundation of people in the US that really love the product and that are um, becoming our regular customers. So currently, we stock at a lot of websites and a lot of online retailers and are slowly but surely also um, having our physical presence. We just started a warehouse in the U.S. because of the rising demand. So I do believe that, you, that the U.S. is a great market for us.
0: Have there been any other Mongolian skincare brands that have... or you know, Organic skincare brands that are formulating in, in this mentality that have sprung up
1: after you? Or are you still the only Mongolian eco-beauty brand?
2: currently the biggest and only international one. So after I started, as I mentioned previously, it was kind of this movement of inspiration because Mongolia was very heavily focused on mining and uh, people didn't really see the value of startups because, you know, you didn't really kind of create startups. It was very... It was very new. So when I started, even the word entrepreneur was not really a thing. I think now it's it's just everybody talks about entrepreneurship. But then people saw that actually you could start very, very small and with something so small, such as a lip balm or a soap or a body scrub, you could actually make a change. So after we started, there was a wave of startups. Um, which was just amazing, purely, purely amazing. And also a wave of organic skincare brands or just general skincare brands. So now actually we have, I think, around 10 more skincare brands that have launched within the last five years.
1: Wow, that's that's really impressive. You have a brick and mortar store in Mongolia, right? Just one? Yes. So we have
2: three stores, but we have a presence in around... 15 um, other stores, but we do have our flagship store um, that is our, our main concentration. Yeah, it's our biggest store.
0: So in, I think it was a separate interview or the same one that I read, I listened to you describe how in Mongolia, it's still actually really quite rare for a woman to own and run her own business. So I was thinking about it because here in the States, the vast majority of independent beauty companies that make up the eco and organic niche here are run by women. And in fact, that's one of the main... I mean, not really like selling points, but it's definitely, a, I would say, a point of pride for eco beauty uh, here in the States and in North America in general, that they are biz- small businesses run small or you know, large businesses that are run by women. So do you
1: think that the business climate may or may not be changing in Mongolia? Or have you observed women-owned beauty businesses growing or expanding? As I mentioned, when I
2: started, even the word entrepreneur was not really used. But then in the last five years, I think that's also that's the amazing thing to be living in Mongolia because you can really... Not just see change because it's such a fast-growing um, country, and because the population is mainly young, we have almost 60% that is mainly young, so you know younger than 20 years old. So that's why I think the the change is happening, and especially in the last five years, as I mentioned, um, the startup scene has changed so much. We saw a huge way of young people creating. Startups creating amazing um, impact. Well, I was all, all, all obviously literally in that wave. So um, it has been so interesting. And especially young women, because, I don't know, I think I've given like thousands of lectures and, and, and we have created women entrepreneurship. Um, there was an event for 300 women to create their own job. We have created women in business events Uh, which was the first of its kind where we um, gathered 450 women who are already in business to really help them network, to really help them, you know, um, share experiences, share challenges, etc. I've been working on a lot of events, a lot of even guidelines for women, etc. So yeah, the last five years, I think, have been amazing in terms of female entrepreneurs and and just kind of women empowerment because even though Mongolia is really one of the most open and kind of democratic and yeah places where you as a woman can do everything it's still the perception that as a woman you kind of have a small business and then the the larger it gets if you look at the top 100 companies in Mongolia and I think that's just the case in every other country as well there are run by men. So um, I think through kind of showing yourself, first of all, and then through also empowering others, it has created a lot of change. So yeah, in Mongolia, it, it has become such a huge thing for now girls being able to have their own startups and to even voice their opinions in the business sphere.
0: And I know that you're a new mother to a six-month-old, almost six-month-old girl. So, do you have any words of advice to new moms,
1: working moms, moms who are still trying to run a business and have a baby? How has that been
2: for you? Yes, I think. So I always say I already had one baby because I always see my brand as my first baby. That's your baby, (laughs) exactly. Because um, you nurture it, you know. It's just twenty-four seven work. It's it's literally like a baby. So I was fairly I think lucky in terms of timing. I wasn't not lucky because I kind of created it myself. That um I had my baby when my business was five years old. So when I was pregnant, I think one of the most important things that I mentioned uh, that I managed to do for myself is obviously you're you're pregnant nine months. That's the case for every single woman. So I think using that time really to create a good foundation for your business that um when you are giving birth or even in the last two months i wasn't able to really go to the office because it was just i was um you know pregnant in the summer and the heat was just driving me nuts in this huge belly so what i managed to do was within the first let's say 7 months i really prepared my team because now we have a team of 50 people. I really prepared my team and I think that was the the best thing I could do for myself because I prepared my team to kind of be empowered, first of all, to do things without me. Because at one point when I started off, it was just me. I was doing the marketing, I was doing the production, I was doing the office, I was doing everything, the sales. And if I didn't go to work, the business kind of just stopped. And that was kind of the tipping point for myself when I understood that, you know, when you start off, it's just about you. But then when you kind of get bigger, it's about the team. And then when you really want your business to be sustainable, it's all about company culture. So really, when I was pregnant, I was um, trying to create a company culture. I was trying to create, you know, all these trainings for my team members. So that they can handle things without me. And I think that was the best thing I could do for myself because obviously, the last month of pregnancy, the first three months, you know, after you have your child, it's just such a crazy life where you cannot focus on everything else, you know, and put your concentration somewhere else because all you kind of think of is your baby. You have all these hormonal imbalances, you have all these physical changes. So I think using that time when you're pregnant to really prepare yourself for everything afterwards is a good thing to do because you have that time. You you really have that time. And I think that was the best thing for myself because I didn't go to work for the first four months. I was just doing everything from home, doing everything online. And I had that prepared beforehand. So everybody who becomes pregnant if you run your business. I think really, really use that time when your baby is still in your belly and you can do those things to prepare wisely for your baby. So yeah, I think that was one of the the good things that I've done for myself. And don't rush it. I mean, business is important. It's it's your life. As an entrepreneur, it's, it's your life. It's your baby. But don't like kind of over you know overthink it or don't kind of pressure yourself because business if it's a good business if you have regular customers it will somehow manage to grow but then obviously having a baby is something so much more different so i think don't really stress yourself i, I think a lot of mothers put pressures on themselves because they they want to be perfect they want to you know handle everything. But really, really don't pressure yourself and use the time while you're pregnant to um, prepare everything, especially with the business, to talk to your team, to make sure they understand as well what's happening um, and how you feel. Because I think a lot of the times like that's with me, obviously, as the director, as the CEO, as the the boss, you know, you always want to be very perfect. You have no kind of weaknesses. You never get sick. And you're always just, you know, the one that handles everything. But especially during this very sensitive time of pregnancy and birth and motherhood, I think it's very um, important to openly just talk to your team and I'm sure they would
1: understand Yes, I think that that will be very encouraging words to new moms and women entrepreneurs who are thinking about or have kids. Where's the best place for people in the U.S. to purchase your products?
2: So currently we are mainly online. So we have a lot of retailers that are doing their online uh, businesses. So we have this place called safeandchic.com, lilyfastcurry.com, et etc. So currently, it's mostly online. This year, hopefully, we can increase our presence physically.
1: Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure that people will have a way to find your products. Is there anything else that you want to add? Just that it would be
2: amazing if, if customers could just try our products um, and also... Maybe just look at our website and look at a few other things because we really try to share this philosophy of loving yourself, loving others, and loving the environment to everybody. So we hope that um, our products you know, don't just make your skin feel much better and, and make you feel um, and become more healthier, but also maybe create a little change in, in the mindset just towards loving yourself and loving others and loving the environment a bit more so hopefully we we hope that even in the us we can make that small impact on on our customers
0: all right i'm back to close out today's interview with some astrological reflections on hulan's chart I just want to point out that she was born on Valentine's Day, February 14th, which I think is really, really interesting that she has this thread of love, l'amour, going through her life and her chart. As we know, I'm a big fan of Valentine's Day, so I was really excited to see that. Taking a look at anyone's chart, when I'm interested in, in seeing how beauty is manifesting in their life, either career or what have you... I want to look at Venus, right? Venus is the planet most quintessentially associated with beauty, love, harmony, peace, all of these kind of Venetian things, sens- sensuality, pleasure. So, Hulan has Venus in the sixth house in Capricorn. So, I kind of give this a little spiel, I guess, every time I read someone's chart on the air. But I practice Hellenistic astrology. I won't get into what all of that means here, but I use whole sign houses. And then I also apply this language of what's called essential dignities to understanding a placement. So, we're looking at Venus in the sixth house in Capricorn. So Venus in Capricorn, Capricorn is ruled by the planet Saturn. So we'll also need to kind of take a look at where her, what her Saturn is doing. But kind of most directly, Venus in Capricorn is pretty comfortable in this feminine Earth sign. In general, she's not in her rulership in Taurus or Libra, but she's kind of neutral in Capricorn. So I'm kind of trying to assess what the condition of Venus is in Hulan's chart. So in general, Venus enjoys the Earth signs, except for Virgo. Capricorn, really quite quite happy there. But because it's a Saturn-ruled sign, Venus is going to take on the flavor of some Saturnian qualities like discipline, hard work, attention to detail, and patience. Most iconically, people that have Venus and Capricorn could have a tendency to be like a master craftsman or craftswoman, someone that's transforming like a raw earthy material into a refined craft or trade. But this is something that requires a lot of hard work and dedication. So I mean, could we see that any more clearly than Hulan building a brand from scratch with no precedent? She's a trailblazer in terms of being a woman starting first ever organic skincare brand in a climate that's not necessarily conducive to doing something like that. And she has been involved in every facet of the company from the science to the formulation to the you know marketing and distribution, like kind of all of it. And she's transforming these raw materials of her native country, Mongolia, to create something that's of unique and beautiful quality. So that, to me, that's a very, very direct, direct reflection of Venus in Capricorn. The fact that it's in the sixth house, I also thought was really interesting. The sixth house means a lot of things, but in, I think, particularly in medical astrology, but also just in natal astrology. It's the house of daily habits, daily work. So this could also be daily health habits. You know, self care, how you take care of yourself, the things that you're doing every day, and it is a house of health too. So to me, that's kind of the connection there. The beauty brand being something that you do uh, to your body every day. It's a very embodied type of thing. I also wanted to point out that that having Venus in Capricorn, Capricorn to me is a sign that archetypally in terms of the qualities that it embodies, it seems so fitting of of the Mongolian landscape. I mean, maybe that's like a bit, I, I hope that that makes sense. It makes sense to me kind of intuitively, just in terms of the topography or climate of Mongolia. Capricorn would symbolize an environment that's like very rugged or jagged, like a frozen landscape or steep, jagged rocks on a cliff or mountainside but also full of very natural, majestic beauty. So when I hear about Mongolia, I could feel kind of like a Capricornian essence. So I thought that that was worth pointing out. So in addition to where Venus falls in the chart here in the 6th house in Capricorn, I feel like we can get some other clues about how Venus is influencing someone's life by looking at the houses that Venus rules in a chart. So as I said, in this case with Venus, it's Taurus and Libra. So surprise, surprise, her 10th house is Taurus. And this is the exact same house placement that Michelle Ranavat has. The 10th house is your career house. So if you have a Venus-ruled career house, it could mean very literally that your career is going to have a Venusian flair. Here, obviously, it does. You know, she does have this background in environmental sustainability more broadly. To have a, a career directly being about beauty, starting and running an international beauty business, this is a very, very clear and literal expression of a Venusian career house. The third house, Libra in Kulan's chart, is about siblings, neighborhoods, communities, communication, short-distance travel. So I am not really sure if there's connections to those parts of her life and her business, but it's a possibility. The last thing that I wanted to point out is the prominence of Mars in Hulan's chart. Mars is probably the strongest planet in her whole chart. There's different techniques for assessing what the strongest planet in your chart is. If you have a planet that's, again, in the language of essential dignities, what's called in rulership, meaning it's in a home sign. So for example, I have Venus in Taurus natally. So Venus, in in addition, it's in an angular house. So Venus is my strongest planet in my chart. In Hulan's chart, she has Mars and Aries in the ninth house. So Mars is in rulership when it's in Aries and when it's in Scorpio. So this gives it a lot of strength. And basically, it just means that the planet, it can basically be the highest expression of its qualities rather than like a negative polarity expression. So the positive polarity expression of Mars would be courage, bravery, will, strength, ambition, and the ability to get things done. When it's in the ninth house, I thought this was interesting. This is the house of foreign travel, among other things, like institutions of higher education, law and and legal issues, also esoterica and mysticism. But I can really see her life focus on travel and different cultures and education as coming through the ninth house. So- what i told hulan is i think that what this probably means in her chart is that she has such an empowered mars giving her the drive and personal power to actualize uh, her vision quite quite easily not i don't mean easily like it's not without hard work because of that saturnian influence but it's going to flow in and come to her through utilizing like those qualities of hard work and discipline if that makes sense so there's not like a strong impediment to her actualizing Vision. There's a lot of like forward movement and momentum in something with a Mars placement like that. But just to point out, I have an extremely debilitated Mars. Mars is like the weakest planet in my chart and it's all tied up between my ninth and 10th house. And it's why, I mean, not to make this about me, but I just wanted to highlight a difference where here's Hulan running like an international beauty brand. And, you know, my career has been this like a lot of uh, like bifurcation and. Toggling back and forth between academia, ninth house things, and a struggle to kind of actualize what I really want to be doing, which is more like fourth and fifth house things where my Venus and my Sun are. So, just to point out how these things manifest, nothing is, you know, normatively good or bad because we all have points of strength and weakness in our charts. But I thought that that was, uh, yeah, just a really interesting insight from her chart. Okay. I think that's going to do it for today. I really hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Hulan. I will have information in the show notes where you can buy L'amour products. And at the time that I'm recording this, I could have something in the works in terms of a special promotion or a giveaway or like a gift with purchase timed around the release of this episode, but I don't have the details worked out at the moment, just because of how I have to record these in advance. But if something comes to light with that, the best way to find out about it would probably be on Instagram or in the show notes. So I will have links again to where you can uh, purchase these products and any other anything else you need to know how to follow L'Amour on social platforms. And let me know what you think of all of this. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.